Good morning, y'all. What you think about camp? That's uh, that uh, the slide tarp looking thing. They call it the water buffalo. Uh, and this is my third year at camp, so I knew what the water buffalo was about. But it, uh, there was a, quite a few um, chaperones that it was their first year. And if you jump down the water buffalo, you get whiplash. Because when you, you drop down about two foot and it, you know, <laughs> and uh, some of the chaperones that went for the first time said, you need to tell people that I've never been that that thing does that before they go. Uh, so there's a couple of chaperones with sore necks this morning. <laughs> but uh, we had a great time. Uh, I have to admit, my kids, I have two daughters, one's five and one's three, one's fixing to start kindergarten, so they're not quite old enough to go. So every, past three years, it's, it's hard for me to leave them, and I have to admit, I'm not, I'm not too excited about going when we first go. But I love serving, and I love um, helping Trudy and, and the kids, so I know that when I go, I'll end up having a good time and God will show up and it'll just be this amazing thing and it was um, just to see some of those kids uh, be transformed in five days and they totally are and if you saw them from the time they first got there to the time they leave uh, it's an amazing thing and um, kind of the, the camp message this week was royal how many of you think you're royal nobody Everybody should be raising their hands because you're a child of God, right? If you're not a child of God, then I'm going to explain it to you. And, and hopefully by the end of this, uh, you'll know and want to become a child of God. Uh, but some people think they're royal by the world standards, by what kind of car they drive or clothes they wear or who their daddy is. Not their heavenly daddy, but their earthly daddy or what. Because somebody royal stands to inherit something, right? And uh, that's what we're going to talk about and see. Uh, Galatians 4, 3 through 7 is where we're at. Uh, if you have your Bibles, if you're like me, uh, I have to have my Bible because if I have my phone, there's too many distractions and things that pop up. But uh, y'all know better than I do what you can and can't do. But uh, if you have your Bible, your phone, whatever, go there with me. If not, it's on the screen. Uh, I'm going to be reading out the New Living Translation. Uh, and just keep in mind that Paul wrote this letter to the church in Galatia. He really wrote it not just to one particular church body, but kind of to all churches there. Uh, and the purpose of this letter was Paul was trying to undo what the Judaizers, which were the Jewish kind of people that were hanging on to the law and using it to manipulate people because... This is after Christ came and after Christ died and was resurrected and, you know, the early churches had been started and all these people are getting saved and these churches are being formed and Paul's going around and, and kind of helping starting them. And, and then so he writes letters back to them to encourage them. And majority of this letter is trying to undo what they have done. They've tried to, you're a child of God now, right? You are royal. You stand to inherit something and it's only because of Christ. And these Judaizers were coming back and, you know, just going back to, what, to the law and saying, you know, you got to do this, this, and this. And it's not because of Jesus, it's because of what you do. 
And that's not true. So Paul is trying to encourage them and remind them it's only Christ that can save you. And it's only because of Christ that you can be a child of God and that you can be royal. So just keep that in mind as we read these verses. Starting with verse 3. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. Verse 3 starts off, and that's the way it was. What way? What way was it? If you go back to verses 1 and 2, they say, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves great wealth for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up even though they actually own everything their father had, they have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. What Paul is trying to say and remind not only the church in Galatia, but remind us is that the law only kept them for a certain time. The law kind of preserved and protected them until Christ came, and that's all it was. And now that Christ has came, That's done away with. But you were slaves. You were held under that. But the law was just meant to remind you that you you can't live up to it. It was meant to remind you that you can't atone for your sins and you can't pay for them. You can't measure up. You can't follow the 613 laws. So that's what Paul is saying. He's saying that's the way it was before Christ came, but Christ has come. And we were like children. We were slaves to the basic principles of this world. Verse 4, But when the time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman subject to the law. When I read this, right offhand, I sat here and wondered, why did Paul, why did Paul, have to, why did Paul add born of a woman subject to the law? Why did he put that in there? Well, what Paul is trying to remind everyone is that Jesus was born of a woman. So that means he was perfectly human. How many of you are born of a woman? (laughs) Okay. I hope so. Uh, Subject to the law. So she was subject to that law just like everybody else. And Jesus was perfectly human. He was trying to show his humanity that Jesus died a death just like we would and endured all that pain and suffering for us and that that he was also pointing to the miraculous conception Jesus's birth and just that whole miracle and a miracle is just a sign to point you to something if you notice everything in this book right here points you to Jesus if you're reading it with that lens or that filter something I love about Paul and every single one of his messages every single one of his letters somewhere in there it all points back to Jesus. It all points to the good news. It, all, it always gives the gospel because that's the only thing that can save you. And that's the only thing that gives you freedom. Verse 5, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. God sent Jesus to buy freedom for us. It's funny, nothing is free. There's nothing free. 
How many of you, you know, you get free cheese or free or stimulus? Nothing is free. Just, just remember, there, a price has to be paid. We live in a country that's free because we have people fighting for us every day. Well, Jesus does that for us spiritually. Did that for us. It's done. The battle is won. Only thing you have to do is accept it and believe it. God sent them to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. Now, I know a lot of us are, how many of you, how many of you in here is Jewish? Nobody. I figure. I'm not either. Not many of us know a whole lot about the law or the Old Testament because it was, to me, I, the Old Testament is harder to, to study and understand than the New Testament because it's in a different time. It all points to Jesus, and if you read it that way, it's a little easier to understand, but, but we're still subject to laws today. You're, you're subject to, to what the world says, or even what our country says, uh, what people say about you, how to live your life, what standard to live it up to. And, and even sometimes in church, you can get caught up in, you know, well, I'm here every Sunday. I go to Sunday school. I'm here every time the doors are open. I go to women's Bible study. I go to men's Bible study. I come and eat chicken wings and hang out and, and we talk about God and, and all these things. I'm doing all the things. I'm going to church camp and I'm hanging out with five and six year olds 16 hours a day for a week. And I've done all the things, but that's not what saves you and that's not what gives you freedom is Christ. And he bought that freedom for us so he could adopt us as his very own children. So once you have acknowledged and accepted that freedom and what Christ did for you, Jesus adopts you. You're, you're royal. You stand to inherit something, right? How many of you know you're royal? How many of you feel like you're royal? Well, I asked it. I just asked it. And nobody raised their hand. Everybody should have raised their hand as a believer in Christ. You are royal. You are stand to inherit everything God has. Do we live like that? Do we? Obviously, we don't feel like it. I'm. I probably wouldn't raise my hand either if I wanted to prepare this message. <laughs> Do you know that? Do you live it? I think. If, if we took that and said every day to ourselves, Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me my freedom. And thank you for making me royal. And I am a child of God. If you said that to yourself every morning, people would start to see that on your face and in your actions. And you wouldn't have to, we wouldn't have to preach so much. We wouldn't have to say so much. People would be like, what's wrong with them? Why are they so happy and joyful? And where does that peace come from? Um, I used to work at Gideon Heating and Air. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> did somebody else work there? Was that what that mm, was about? <laughs> uh, and uh, I was going to Liberty University online for, for theology, studying the Bible. And, and I, it was early on when God was calling me, and I didn't really understand what he was calling me to. I was kind of rejecting what he was calling me to. I kind of knew, but I didn't want to do it. And uh, anyway, early on, I thought, you know, 
how can I be Jesus to these people and how can I help them see? Because when I, when I first decided to surrender 100% to God and die to myself and follow Him completely, you know, I was excited. And uh, I just wanted people to know how much God loved them because I started to realize how much God loved me because of passages like this. Because how many of us deserve to be a child of God? So to know that God created us when He didn't need to. God doesn't need us. And to know that He sent His one and only Son to die for me and that I stand to inherit something, it's hard not to want to tell people about that when you realize the full weight of it. But anyway, so I would put a daily Bible verse by the time clock or some kind of quote. I would ask people if they had prayer requests. Um, you know, I was trying to indirectly and sometimes directly tell people about God, and nobody ever really responded. It was kind of discouraging. And after about a year of it, I was like, God, you know, I don't feel like I'm making an impact, but something I realized later on, it ain't about you. It's about you having faith and trust in God that He's going to show up and you just do what He's asked you to do. Well, anyway, every morning we would come into the office and we would get our service calls for most of the time the entire day. And everybody would kind of huddle up and complain about what they had to do and didn't have to do. And, and uh, you know, I would always, majority of the time, just get my service calls and no matter what it was, I'd be like, all right, I'm gone. And you know the thing that started a Jesus conversation for me? Well, somebody walked up to me one day and said, Nick, I noticed nothing ever bothers you. Why? It wasn't by anything I did or posted or said. It was how I acted. Every morning, put that on. I am royal. I am a child of God. And I think it'll change how you go about your day. Verse 6, And because we are His children, so Jesus... God sent Jesus to buy our freedom and if we accept it and believe it and repent and turn away from our sin, we are adopted as His very own children and because we are His children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. So did you know, I think it's John 17 maybe, um, when Jesus is on the cross and He breathes His last. In John, I think John's the only book that says it. In the other Gospels, it, it, it says, you know, Jesus says, I'm finished, or He breathes His last. But in John, He says He gave up His Spirit. It's not just the Holy Spirit. It's not separate. It's Jesus' Spirit. He gave that up and gave it to you. How many of you remember when you got saved? And when you got saved, did anybody have to beg you to read your Bible? Did anybody have to beg you to talk about Jesus? Did anybody have to beg you to tell any? tell people about Jesus. You wanted to, right? Because you were excited and you were on fire and you're like, I, people got to know about this. God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. When you got saved, nobody begged you to do it, did they? 
Nobody had to grab you by the arm and say, come on down here with me. You probably wouldn't have done it, would you? God prompts us. God urges us, reminds us. And once we're saved, I got saved when I was eight years old, so it was a little bit different for me. I didn't fully understand how much God loved me and, and everything He did for me. I just understood I didn't want to go to hell, and I loved Jesus. It's hard not to love somebody that, that loves you and dies for you. And when I was about 24, 25 years old was when I had almost uh, a, a revelation, almost a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some people say it's, that's all together. Some people say it's two different things. I think it's God's personal. God, and every person He's made is unique. So I think in talking about that, it, it depends on the person. Because God works everything for good and uses them and meets them where they're at. And for me, I got saved when I was eight years old. But I walked away from them for a while. But guess what? But because I was a child of God, because I believed and accepted Him, He prompted me. He kept calling me back. And He wouldn't let me go. He prompts us to call out Abba Father. Abba is, is the Hebrew word for Father. I learned something cool yesterday. Uh, in the Hebrew alphabet... Abba is the first two letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And the first letter is Aleph, where we get the word. In Greek, Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Uh, it's funny, the more you dig and the more you look, the more you'll find that nothing is a coincidence and that God uses everything to point to Him and for His, your good and for His good. Alaf is the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet, and that means strong one. Bet is the second letter in the Hebrew, Hebrew alphabet, and that means house. So Abba in Hebrew to, to those Jewish men that were listening or reading this letter, strong one of the house is what Abba meant. Your father is the strong one of the house. If you had a father in your home, who's a follower of Jesus, your house was a lot stronger. If you don't have a father in your home, your house probably wasn't as strong, was it? When, we, when you go to camp with 100 kids, you can tell which ones have a dad in their lives and which ones don't. Most of the time, the ones don't just crave attention and will, will do anything to get it. Maybe even act out. God prompts us to call out, Abba, Father. Do you know him personally enough? I called my dad Daddy. And, and I, you know, I'm from Keener, North Carolina. How many of you know where that's at? One, two, three. I got three people in this room. Population of Keener is about 494 people. We've got a crossroads and a gas station. Now we got a Dollar General. Call it, <laughs> call it the Keener Mall. It's a big deal. But I, I'm just a good old boy from the South. And, you know, I, I, sometimes I'll run into people uh, from different places. 
uh, bigger cities or up north, and, and you'll say daddy, and they'll think it's cute. Like, you know, that's a cute way of saying dad, but daddy is personal. That's what I call God. He's my daddy. And God prompts you. God urges you, reminds you. He won't let you go. And if you'll just spend some time with him and call him, whatever, whatever you call daddy, might be something else for you. But he just wants a personal relationship with you. Verse 7. This was the camp verse of the week. This was the camp message. Now that you are no longer a slave, but God's own child, and since you are his child, God has made you his heir. You are no longer a slave. Do you believe that? Do you feel it? You're royal. Everybody in here is a, a prince and a princess. You're God's own child. And since you are his child, you're his heir. What is an heir? You inherit something, right? Whatever the king has, you stand to inherit it. Well, guess what God has? Everything. He created it all. You stand to inherit that. How is that? That's, that's the good news. That's the gospel. Jesus bought our freedom. And if you will just accept and believe that and turn from your sin, you stand to inherit everything God has. And it's not just in heaven. You can have some of that here on this earth as well. Because why? Because you have the Holy Spirit in you. Jesus' Spirit is inside of you. And you can have that freedom here. I think it's uh, 2 Corinthians 3.17. I didn't write it down or uh, have it right here and turn to my Bible, but it says something like this, and this is not word for word, but where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I am free. Amen. There's even a song about it. One of my favorite songs. You are a beneficiary. You're an heir. You stand to inherit something. It's like Jesus filled out a life insurance policy and put your name on the bottom of it. But it's not. It's an eternal life insurance policy. It's forever. And it's not just fire insurance. It's not just a get out of hell card. You stand to have some of that freedom here now if you'll just surrender and die to yourself. Romans 8, 15 through 17 pretty much says the same thing, but I'd love to read it. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. It's going to cost something. That don't mean you have to do more. Only thing I'm asking you to do is just to ask God what He wants to do. And I promise He'll tell you. I know some, of, some people say, I don't hear from God. I don't know. 
I don't know what God's saying to me. And, and I can only speak for myself. I, you know, <laughs> Bobby uh, told me something one time and, and it just made sense to me. Uh, he said, you know, I can give you, he said, I can give you my opinion, but you probably won't do anything with it because it's my, my opinion. It's not yours. I can give you my advice, but it's only what I would do. It's not what you would do. So what good is it? When God asks, when I ask God, what are you doing? What are you saying? What do you want me to do? It, most of the time, if there's sin or something in the way, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. And if you ain't willing to give it over to him or lay it down, then he probably ain't going to speak anymore because he's already given you something to do, right? That, that's happened in my life time and time again. It still happens now. You're like, God, I don't feel like God's speaking to me. And you get down on your hands and knees and you get quiet and still and, and try to get in God's presence. You say, God, what are you doing? What do I need to do? He'll tell you. It might not be an audible voice or it might not be in a dream or a vision or don't close your mind off to what God can do and when He can do it. It might be through the radio. It might be through a dog. It might be through me. It might be through somebody you meet walking out the door. Just be open-minded to what God can say and do. His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Paul in Galatians 5.1, which is kind of, the, kind of the, the whole, it sums up all of Galatians for me, says, and it's, it's, it's kind of the last thing I want to say. Galatians 5.1 says, So Christ has really set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in the slavery to the law. Do you know you're royal? Do you t do you, how many of you in here are royal? If you're not, because you haven't asked God to be your daddy, I hope you will. Don't get tied up in this world, what people say, what the government says, people's expectations, your own expectations. Know that you're royal and that you are a child of God and you stand and inherit something. For most of you, I think this is, might be a reminder. But for some of you, I, maybe it's a, something new. Christ has set us free. Are you free? Are you living like it? Make sure you stay free. How do you stay free? It's only Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you. for being my daddy. Thank you for calling me royal. Thank you for giving me an inheritance. Thank you for, for loving me enough to send Jesus to, to pay for all those selfish and sinful things I did. God, thank you for Paul and reminding us that, that we really are free. And it's because of Christ. And help us not to get in the way of that, dear Lord. I pray that, that right here and right now, we would just get in your presence and, 
and just do whatever you're asking us to do. I love you, and I ask it all in your name. Amen.